Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey listeners, on today's episode, I sit down with Leila Ranani, who is the CEO and co-founder of Fenyal Media. Finyal Media is a podcast network that is out here in Dubai that serves the wider MENA region and produces Arabic content made for millennials out here in the Middle East. Leila and I sit down and discuss an overview of the podcast market in the Middle East, as well as a review of the consumer audio consumption trends out here. And last but not least, we cover some important tools that exist in the market in order to help aspiring podcasters kick off their projects. Just to let the listeners know, I was telling Leila right before we started recording that when I started looking into podcasting in the region, Finial Media came up plenty in the news and I listened to her on my Apple podcast before we got the chance to meet virtually, albeit. As a listener of podcasts, I thank you very much for helping contribute to the local podcasting industry. And as always, we really hope you enjoy today's episode. Leila, I'm so happy to talk to you today. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Leila, I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about your background, the role you have at Finial Media, and maybe a little bit about what Finial Media is. Yeah, I'd love to. So Finial Media was conceptualized at the beginning of uh, 2019, end of 2018, by myself and my two co-founders, uh, Majid and Mishari, off the back of a successful podcast that uh, Mishari had already produced, which was called Millennial Mirrors. And I think he got together with Majid initially and realized that there was a huge gap in the market for more quality audio content in the Arab world. Because, you know, there, there, there are a number of podcast networks that had been around for some time at that point, and they were producing amazing content. But when you compare it to the volume of English language content that was out there, that was not really that relevant for local audiences. It really wasn't comparable. So I think we thought there was a lot of space in the market to actually start producing uh, more uh, more content in that space and to help uh, sort of accelerate growth of the sector. Um, so when I joined the company, uh, coming from a background in, in the media sector, but more on the TV side, so I had worked for big production companies like, fin- like Fremantle Media, Um, as well as local media companies like OSN. Uh, So I was coming relatively fresh to audio, but I was coming with a, a background of understanding how the commercials of the media sector work. And so for us, it was about not only telling the stories of the Arab world that were really sort of untold and and, and filling this gap for content in the region, but also about making sure that that content was commercialized uh, to help make the industry much more sustainable. And so with those two sort of objectives in mind, we we kicked off the company. Uh, I joined in January 2019. Uh, and yeah, 18 months later, we're, we're here. We have 10 shows in our, our network. We've had 3 million downloads. Um, we are expanding very fast and excited to see growth in consumption and in supply of podcasts across the region. You guys are definitely innovators in podcasting in the region and pi- pioneers, I would say, more than innovators. <laughs> Thank you. 
So Leila, I have a question actually. Uh, this isn't necessarily relating to podcasting, but more on how you go about developing your stories. So when you adapt Jaha to audio format, did you need to go to someone to ask for the rights to utilize jihad? Does anyone own that trademark or who really owns Arabic stories? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the stories, right? With something like Juha, it's, it, it's, it's a quick win because there is no ownership of those kind of old, old, old classic stories. Same thing with uh, with Al Walayla. As soon as you start getting to sort of slightly more modern stories, then of course, yeah, you, you start getting into uh, IP rights territory. And, and that's, uh, I think, more the domain of the kind of audiobook world where they sort of license existing content that is out there and, and, and repurpose it for audio. Um, that's not so much what we're into. But what we are doing is, for example, we've just announced that we're releasing uh, the region's very first completely original drama series in podcast form. So our new show, which is called The Basement, is going to be coming out in September. And, and this is a kind of mystery thriller that has been scripted entirely from scratch, not based on any existing material or any existing books or stories that are out there. It's been scripted from scratch, purely for the podcast medium. And I think increasingly in the industry, we're going to start seeing more of this sort of thing where people are creating stories that work specifically for audio. Perhaps if I can chime in on my personal experience. So mind you, I'm a consumer of nonfiction. And when I got into podcasting and started reading about it, I realized, hey, there's a very big segment of fiction and I never knew that people actually listen to fiction in non-audiobook format, but instead podcast format. Uh, what I'm getting at, Leila, is do you guys at Finial Media research consumer preferences when it comes to podcasting format? And do you then base your production accordingly? Yeah, I mean, of course, there is a lot of research and thinking that goes into this. We don't we don't release shows without um, without producing pilots, without prepping, without you know checking that it's going to work before it goes out into the public. But I think there's a couple of things to say in terms of you know what works and what doesn't here. There are some, like in video, there are some shows in audio that will be popular globally no matter what you do. So you're going to find in every country in the world, you're going to find the BBC News, you're going to find the Joe Rogan, you're going to find the Daily. These kind of things are, are pretty much standard across markets. But I think what's important when looking at what works here, firstly, it's a very untapped market. So nobody has a recipe book that says top 10 genres for podcasting in the Middle East, because probably half of those genres don't even exist yet because nobody's created that content. And so until we have enough data points to say, okay, in the Arabic language, specifically localized and created for the Arab world, we have, you know, all of this content available at a decent level of quality, then we can say, okay, these are the, the most popular genres. So I think there is an element of experimentation, which is natural in any industry that is kind of just popping up. But there is also an element of, okay, we have the data points from the stuff we produced before. We see what does well, what doesn't do well. We have data points from what works globally. And we have data points from other platforms and from other forms of media to see what people are interested in. So our focus on drama and you know our decision to do a kind of uh, mystery thriller as our first original series didn't come from nowhere. 
it comes from the fact that these are the po- most popular genres in TV, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's not surprising that in some cases you see crossover between what's popular in some platforms and what works in others. Leila, given that you guys are producing content for the Middle East, do you produce content in Arabic? Yeah, most of our stuff is in Arabic. Yeah. All right. Uh, and for those who don't speak Arabic, is there an English version or is it either or? No, I mean, at the moment, it's either or. Uh, I'd say out of the 15 seasons of content we've produced since last year, maybe three of those are in English and 12 are in Arabic. It depends which audience you're targeting. So if you're a UAE-based podcast and you're and you're focusing specifically on a UAE audience, it makes sense to do it in English, right? Because we have a very diverse population here. But if you're targeting a MENA-wide audience, which we are, I mean, our, our top three markets are Saudi, Egypt, and UAE in that order. And just given the sheer population sizes of Saudi and Egypt, if you want to target the region, you cannot avoid focusing your production on Arabic. That's where the majority of listeners are. Do you produce the content in Khaliji dialect Arabic or Egyptian Arabic dialect or anything else that you think may be more neutral? I'm curious. Yeah, so it depends a little bit on the show. And again, if, it, if we're going for a more local audience in Saudi or we're going for a kind of pan-regional audience. And so far, we've I'd say we've played it pretty safe uh, in that we've gone for a kind of a modern standard Arabic that is understood everywhere. And nobody's going to have any, any sort of question marks uh, about the dialect or the um or the language. But um, there are cases where we deliberately use different accents to target different segments. So for example, we had a football show where we made sure that we had, you know, one host from the UAE and one host from uh, Egypt and one host from the Levant so that we're kind of covering all our bases and, and trying to get to as wide an audience as possible. Very interesting. I wonder if the type of audience who would pick up audio in produced in Arabic would naturally be the kind of person who is more accustomed to speaking Arabic just as a native language and therefore will uh, listen, will we will be able to understand these, these various dialects. I'm just kind of reflecting on my own childhood growing up in Bahrain. I only understood Khaliji, but I didn't speak any Arabic. So when I would turn on like Disney Channel and Timon and Pumbaa would come up in Egyptian, I just wouldn't get it. I think that's a fair point. And I think, you know, increasingly the more content that not just we, but as an industry, right? The more content that is out there, the more uh, localized and targeted it will become. We will eventually have, you know, a whole portfolio of Egyptian shows for Egyptians and a whole portfolio of Saudi shows for Saudi. But I think it's still early days for the for the industry and we're not quite there yet. Let's let's maybe pick on what I think has accelerated audio consumption, and that's COVID. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was, you know, I'd go for long walks around my building just to get out of the house during lockdown. So my personal consumption of audio went up. Did the same happen to you? Um, did you experience a difference in your own personal consumption? Yeah, I did. And and I think when we look at our numbers on the network, uh, we see that actually across the board, there was significant increase in, in consumption of podcasts 
since roughly the second quarter of this year. Now, it's interesting because, you know, there was a lot of talk at the beginning about, you know, people are not commuting anymore. Their kind of behavior has changed when it when the world went into lockdown. And is, you know, there were sort of question marks about whether that poses a threat to podcast listenership and, and consumption. And I think on some levels, there was, I mean, I, I think that the head of advertising, I think for Spotify, said at one point that, you know, during this period, every day is like a weekend day. Those are the the, the behavioral uh, consumption patterns that we're seeing on, on, on the platform. And I think what that meant was there were some genres of podcasting that suffered a bit of a dip. Sometimes the more sort of business related podcasts or tech stuff or news, because just because those were the, the types of uh, shows that people were used to consuming on their way to work. But there was a whole raft of other kinds of shows that actually witnessed a massive increase. Um, and I think we're lucky enough to be in that space where we were, yeah, where we saw a huge increase in content consumption, perhaps not as much as the online video uh, world experienced. I know that all the, the SVOD platforms were going through the roof and having outages left, right and center <laughs> because, you know, the demand for entertainment went up so much. But yeah, we did see a massive increase. But you know, what's interesting to me is not just that we saw a huge increase in, in demand, but we also saw a huge increase in supply. So I think what we found as a result of coronavirus is that there were a lot of people who realized they're sort of stuck at home and, you know, there are things they can do, but a lot of things they can't do. And for many who had sort of been toying with the idea of launching a podcast or doing something in that space, they suddenly realized now is the time. Like, <laughs> it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I can do from my home. It's pretty accessible. I might as well make use of this time and actually go for it and start producing content. Myself as an example. <laughs> You're an example of this, right? But this is amazing for the industry because the more content we have, the more people will come and, and start listening to podcasts. It's a fantastic boost to the, to the community, I think. You have a very interesting observation, and I guess it's data-driven because you have access to at least your shows, uh, which is a variety under Finial Media. I suppose people just wanted to escape to a different world during lockdown, which is why gaming numbers went up significantly as well. So Leila, you mentioned Spotify. I know I read that their year-on-year listener base grew, but that their ad revenues went down. Um, so I wonder, what is the opportunity trans when when translated to the Middle East? So aside from hobbyists like myself producing podcasts and people who want to learn or, you know, escape to another world listening, what else does podcasting really mean? Um, in terms of commercialization, you mean? Its effect on the media industry as a whole, is it changing the media industry? Is it going to have a lasting effect or is it a trend? Um, I mean, when you look at the, the pure numbers on the advertising side, yes, it's a difficult time for the market in general because, you know, ad budgets have taken a hit, right, as a result of the, uh, as a result of the pandemic. And advertising numbers in podcasting don't, even at a global level, don't yet come close to uh, what you see in, even in radio, although that's declining what you see, certainly not what you see in, in, in social or on, uh, online video. But having said that, you know, 
a lot of the execs in the US suggest that this sort of $1 billion in, in podcast advertising revenues that is ex- expected by next year globally by most sources is actually a very conservative estimate because people that are on the ground are seeing that, you know, there is a massively increasing appetite for uh, something new, something innovative and something intimate. And that's what podcasting brings to the table, I think. So we are definitely globally seeing a huge increase in spending on podcast advertising. And we are slowly starting to see that here as well. And that's basically been our mission since we started the company was not just to produce content, was to produce it on a commercially viable (laughs) basis so that we can make this a financially sustainable industry, right? Because one of the differences that sometimes people forget when they look at different forms of media and they often compare podcasts to uh, YouTube or or other kinds of online video, uh, one of the things they forget is that if you're an independent content creator and you produce an amazing video, YouTube will monetize that for you and you will be able to find some way to make it to make that that, that process sustainable. There are obviously ways to improve the monetization and to uh, you know work with partners and stuff to uh, to grow it if, if you're commercially minded. But the point is that in the podcasting space, that doesn't really exist, and certainly not in in the MENA region, right? There is no YouTube equivalent that is monetizing podcasters for content creators. So that's partly where we saw a gap in the market, not just in terms of monetizing our own podcast, but also helping others to uh, get access to advertisers, get access to brands to help make this industry a much more sustainable one so that we can continue to all produce more content. So there's a podcast production platform out there called Anchor that does this. Have you heard of them? Yeah, I have in the US, right? Well, actually, they're US-based and Spotify purchased them recently. But the idea is they want to encourage podcasters to create without having to worry about raising the funds required to run it. So they will add, sell ad space for you and whatnot. And I know that podcast creators all over the world can use Anchor because I have a friend who uses them. So I wonder, does that fill the gap that you think is there in the market? I, in some ways it does, but I think these things often have to be based on regional relationships. And that's, I think, where the gap is and that what perhaps they're they're not able to provide, right? I mean, we know the way the, the ad market works in this part of the world. And in many ways, it's quite flawed, but it is structured the way it is structured. And I think a big part of, you know, being able to, whether it's straightforward ad spots that you might be able to get on a mass basis through a, a big platform like that, is quite different from a local relationship with uh, a brand here that can kind of specifically customize uh, what they're looking for and give them something that is very has very much a kind of local touch. That stuff has to be more relationship driven. Got it. So I guess then to put myself in a content creator's shoes, if I'm producing a show in Arabic, let's say Alf Leila I may find it discouraging to make the production on a platform that then fills ads for, I don't know, Casper Mattress and maybe my audience won't relate. Is 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 that the point of why regionalization is important? 
Yeah, there is that. Of course, I mean, it, ne- it needs to be relevant, right? And and also there is more that goes into an, an ad than just reading out a script or taking a canned ad that, you know, has been used elsewhere and plugging it into your show. I think part of the benefit of podcast advertising is that if you do an ad properly, you really take time to understand what the brand is looking for, to understand what their objectives are, what the, the messaging that they're trying to get across, and to do it in a way to, to create an ad that is very much in the same style and tone of the show and is less jarring, less intrusive and more genuine, authentic and sort of integrated into the show. And I think for that, you need to have multiple conversations directly with a brand and not sort of <laughs> using a third party um, uh, platform. Um, Leila, on to a bit about, let's say, podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. You guys must be on Anrami, correct? Since you're targeting Arabic listeners. I'm curious, how does your listenership base differ between Anrami and then the big international ones like Spotify and Apple Podcasts? I mean, Anrami, Deezer and Spotify are all fantastic platforms for distributing content here. And they all have a decent listenership and a decent audience. But what interests me more is the distinction between the podcast, the main podcasting, the platforms that are set up purely for podcasting and the platforms that were initially set up for music streaming and have expanded into podcasting. Because if you look at our our audience breakdown by platform, still in the region and I know this is the case for most players here, still have around 80% of listeners on Apple Podcasts. So the rest is, I mean, the numbers give or take, right? Depending on the show, depending on the market, many things, many factors go into that. So the music streaming platforms still have, I think, at least in the region, some way to go in terms of podcast consumption and promoting podcasts more on their platforms to help shift that market share. That, that's exactly this trend that you've seen in the US over the last few years. Spotify has risen and risen in terms of market share and, and some of the others that started earlier than them have lost a little bit. But I think we will start to see that trend mirrored here as well as the, the music platforms increasingly start focusing on podcasts even more. So Spotify has been making some very conscious strategic investments into podcasts in order to give Apple Podcasts a run for its money. It's both been producing its own podcasts, such as the Michelle Obama show, and it's purchased very popular podcasts, such as the Joe Rogan experience. Now, let's shift the focus to the Middle East. Do you see Anrami making such strategic decisions when it comes to podcasting? I mean, again, I can't comment on specific companies, but I think you are definitely right seeing that trend come to life. So watch this space. (laughs) Very interesting. You know, particularly with the Joe Rogan experience, though it's a popular podcast as well as a popular YouTube channel, because I discovered them on YouTube, I always only listen to it on YouTube. You know, he goes on for like two hours. I put on earphones and I just don't look at my iPad and I do house chores as if it was a podcast, but I refuse to listen to him on Apple Podcasts. I still consume him on YouTube. No, no, I think but it depends where you discovered it in the first place, right? I think that's pretty natural. Like if, if you're used to them being a YouTuber and then they move into podcasting, that's a different phenomenon. But if you're starting a podcast as a podcast, then, you know, YouTube is great for promotion, but it's not necessarily where the listeners will come from. So in general, I'd say that is a great idea and you can use YouTube as a, uh, an incredible way to, to promote your podcast and to get it into the, the podcasting, to get people 
people from YouTube into the podcasting world. For us specifically, it doesn't make that much sense, uh, mainly because most of the stuff that we do is scripted, is fiction, is if we were going to create a video version, it would effectively be a TV show. <laughs> it's a very mm. different format. It'll be a cartoon, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either an animation or, you know, we'd have to get not just voice actors, but actual, you know, movie or TV actors. Without going through the hassle of animation, um, I know a lot of YouTubers who basically put an audiogram, um, which for the listeners who don't know, is just a clip with a wave or alternatively, perhaps record the voice actors producing the content and put that up. That actually may be quite fun for people to look at. Yeah, yeah. No, de absolutely. Definitely in short clips. And that is something that we do. And we do sort of behind the scenes footage and you see how things are, are made and produced and recorded. Um, and the audiogram thing totally works. I think it's a great to help promote your content. I don't think it's it's not is not a replacement for a video though, right? Like no one wants to sit through 60 minute audiogram. <laughs> so it's just there's just not enough enticing material on the screen. But for promotional purposes and in short clips, absolutely. Leila, what podcasts do you listen to? Of course, non-Finial-related podcasts. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, same with TV, right? I have a, a, my preferences are pretty broad. Um, I do like a lot of the stuff coming out of Wondery. I think they have incredible shows. I've just binge listened to uh, the entire season of Dr. Death, which if you haven't listened, is absolutely incredible, <laughs> like mind-blowing story. But I also like kind of comedy sh comedy shows if I'm in the mood for something a bit lighter. And then I also have my, my morning dose of news every single day. <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite broad. I'm curious, were you a podcast listener before you joined Finial Media or did it just get you more into the podcasting world? No, no, of course I was a listener. I mean, I think you can't really appreciate the medium and the value of the medium until you start consuming yourself, right? <laughs> and how do you you find new platform new shows to listen to it's funny you ask because content discovery is a notorious challenge for the podcasting world <laughs> and how to get you know uh your show noticed and consumers to find it and access it and start listening um i mean i think there's a few ways most platforms have you know recommendations so um they will give their own either algorithm driven or recommendations that have been selected by an editorial team based on what they think the market is interested in. There are always, if you're into a specific genre, as you can always go to the, within the app, you can always select that genre and find, you know, different shows that are in that space that you might be interested in. Um, and then uh, some of the some of the platforms also have kind of top charts, which helps because then you can see what's sort of trending on that day in your country. So on Apple Podcasts, for example, they always have top charts that are updated on a live basis. And so you can see what's kind of popular in your sort of iTunes country, I guess. So we're lucky that we've had, I think, maybe five number one shows in the Middle East so far. So we're working on <laughs> bringing out the next one <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and I just want to pick on something that I think you alluded to, but do you work with independent podcasters and give them the tools they need to make that production possible? Or do you guys originate all the content internally? Um, so everything we've done uh, so far has been originated internally. We are launching now a new initiative that will support independent content creators. Lena, this is fantastic. It was very nice to meet you. You too. Bye-bye. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Thanks for Bye. tuning in today. 
Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshireen.com. You don't want to miss out on future announcements. Subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshireen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.